0: You're listening to the Birth Matters Podcast, episode 19.
1: This is really important when you get pregnant. And I think it's really important for women to really listen to their bodies and and really listen to their heart. And any type of thing that you're feeling in your gut or intuition, go with it. You're going to be told so many different things from healthcare providers or girlfriends or family, your mother-in-law, your mother, everything. But I think it's really important. Everyone's birth experience is so different. I think it's really important to just follow your heart and follow that gut.
0: if you enjoy this show we'd be grateful if you'd share it with a friend you can follow and share our posts on social at Birth Matters NYC, or simply tell them to search for birth matters wherever your friend listens to podcasts today i'm thrilled to welcome to the show a birth matters alum and professional model lauren deckert to share her beautiful birth story Lauren's work as a model has been featured in Harper's Bazaar China, Vogue Italia, Brides, Women's Health, and Muscle and Fitness Hers. She's walked the runway for top designers at New York Fashion Week, Miami Beach Swim Week, and New York Bridal Fashion Week every year for almost a decade. She's also been a vegetarian since childhood and studied at the Institute for Integrative Nutrition and is a drugless practitioner and certified health and nutrition coach. Her faith and philanthropic efforts are both important values for her and her family. And she founded a nonprofit called Models Doing More, which provides volunteer opportunities for model ambassadors wishing to offer assistance to both underprivileged schoolchildren and orphaned elephants in Sri Lanka. While Lauren was pregnant in 2016, she launched a coaching program called The Model Mentor to empower, develop, and consult aspiring models, women, and model mamas, and to act as a guide for those who wish to make positive changes in their lives. Three of the main principles of her coaching are transformative thinking, mindfulness, or mindful eating, and movement, which not coincidentally spell out the initials of The Model Mentor. And I can't help but also point out that I think those principles are very important ones, not just for life in general, but with special relevance for labor, birth, and parenting too. Today, Lauren shares her son's birth story in which she chose to leave New York to give birth in her hometown in Maryland in the hospital where she was born. She'll share details about this and other strategies that helped her have the unmedicated vaginal birth that she had hoped for. Before we start today's story, this episode is brought to you by an online course called Supporting Her. For couples who decide it's preferred for their spouse or partner to provide active support for the woman in labor, those partners have a vital role to play toward a great birth. Created by expert birth educator and doula and my friend Alice Turner, supporting her is an easily consumable online class that teaches tips, techniques, and actionable skills to help you take care of your partner and yourself during labor and birth. You'll learn how to define your role in labor, communicate with hospital staff, provide physical and verbal support, and deal with any curveballs Supporting her is an easy way to learn all you need to know at your own pace in less than two hours from your computer or phone. I like to point out the fun fact that this class was recorded in a brewery, which helps it feel more like a relaxed conversation with a friend. To grab this course for only $49 and start building partners confidence today or to learn more, visit birthmattersnyc.com links and click the button for the supporting her online course. Okay, now let's jump into the story. Welcome, Lauren. I'm so glad you're here today.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited.
0: I can't believe it has been three years since you were in class with me and since you had your baby.
1: I know. I know. He's a wild, amazing, wonderful toddler now, and he's just, he's no longer a baby. He's so active, and oh, I just, he's just pure joy. It's amazing
0: how time flies. Absolutely. Wow. Well, as before we jump into your birth story, I would love to hear a little bit about your pregnancy. And especially, I was interested, since you're a vegetarian, I was interested to know, were there specific nutritional changes or things you were intentional about with your nutrition or other lifestyle, uh, fitness, activity, that kind of thing uh, in your pregnancy to you know, really give yourself the best foot forward with your birth?
1: Yes. So um, thank you for asking. Um, yeah, I, I made sure to take a uh, plant-based prenatal vitamin, of course, um, when I was throughout my pregnancy uh, and uh, continue taking it after as well because I was breastfeeding. And I, I was very careful um, with, uh, with my doctors and with the natural path that I worked with um, and all the, all the care providers I worked with, with telling them that I was a vegetarian so I was very open about that, and then I am a health coach, and I do, and I have been a vegetarian for a long time. So I knew a lot of, I, I knew my options, but I'm always into exploring new things. So I did, um, I did add a lot more uh, things like quinoa to my diet, and also things like pastas that had quinoa um, or chickpea pasta, things with a little bit more protein, and I also started juicing more. Uh, I had juiced for many many years before juicing was even. Popular to juice, and then I had kind of stopped for a while, and then when I got pregnant, I wanted to have more, you know, folic acid and more greens, and and I would juice in the morning, and I did. I, I mixed all kinds of juices. Uh, my favorite was um, spinach, celery, apple, a handful of parsley, and a little bit of lemon. Uh, So I would do that in the morning. Actually, the juicing really helped with morning sickness, too. Um, I actually didn't have morning sickness. I had sickness throughout the day, (laughs) so morning, (laughs) afternoon, and evening. Mm So um, that actually did help me with the nausea a lot, as well as ginger. I'd say more protein and I upped my folic acid and, you know, by having more vegetables and more greens. But otherwise, yeah, I I stayed pretty, I'm pretty consistent with, with what I eat and I'm creative with different greens and different grains. And so I kind of, I didn't really change much, but I, yeah, I definitely upped the the juicing. Mm -hmm. Um, And I also treated myself. I also, you know, I'd have days where if I really, like I wanted to, you know, have a piece of cake or have something sweet. I I didn't hold back because I was very active throughout my whole pregnancy. I worked out every day. Sometimes I take the weekend off, but pretty much five days a week. And, uh, cause movement is a big part of my life and a big part of my practice and what I do. And I also, I didn't slow down much. <laughs> I, mm-hmm. uh, I worked throughout my whole pregnancy. So I, I did a uh, model through expecting modeling agency when I was pregnant. And then I, I launched the health coaching business as well when I was pregnant. So I actually think the movement was good for me. I mean, it's very important that we meditate or pray and we slow down at certain parts of the day, but I think the movement really helped me with caring, caring my son and also with giving birth. Mm mm-hmm. yeah. And
0: back to the nutrition real quick. Do you I, I've heard that uh, when someone has a vegetarian diet that they sometimes have to in pregnancy be a little more uh, intentional with iron? Were there any specific things you did for iron to be sure that that was you know- high enough?
1: Yeah, you know, you know, what's interesting about that, because I did take a supplement. So I did take an iron, I think it was part of my prenatal pill, they had more iron in it.
2: Uh, I did take
1: that because yes, because my doctors were concerned. So I did take that. But I actually didn't eat anything different. But I would say which people don't realize is there is a lot of iron in certain plant based foods and vegetables and even in juicing. Mm-hmm. So I think the combination of that and then taking the supplement, I was fine. When they touched, when they checked my blood work, I was always fine. Um, I never had little iron.
0: Great. So, yes, yeah, so I was okay. Yeah. All right. Well, would you like to go ahead and start on your birth story? Sure. Go right yeah. ahead. I can can't
1: wait to now. hear. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Great. So I think a big you know, a really important part of giving birth is not just choosing the right health care for, you know, practitioners or doula or, you know, or all of that, just the, the right kind of coach. It's really important to choose the place. You know, some people want to have home birth. Some people want to choose a hospital or birthing center. For me, it was uh, returning home. So I left home when I was a teenager to model and also to attend college in New York, and I traveled the world. But my home was Maryland. I grew up there, and my mother and my whole family is still there. My sister, um, you know, all my nieces, they're all there. So it was really important for me to return to Maryland and to give birth in the practice where I was born into and where my sister, all four of her children, were born into. Uh, so I gave birth at, um, at not only the same practice um, where everyone was born in the family, but also the same hospital. So that was really important to me um i had a really positive experience i love my doctors uh and i wanted to return so i would actually because i had a very healthy pregnancy and i was blessed to feel great uh, th- for the most part throughout my pregnancy i actually returned for doctor's visits every other month to maryland from new york and then when i got closer to when i would possibly be giving birth i returned to maryland so my Due date was not till the end of October, but I went back to Maryland um, October first. So I and actually. And how how far we, away is it so, from New York? It's three and a half hours.
0: Three and a half. Yeah, pretty good yeah. drive, or, oh, or train ride, or yes, yeah. yes,
1: <laughs> yes. So, um, and and I, I had a feeling that my son was going to come early. I think. Um, this is really important when you get pregnant and I think it's really important for women to really listen to their bodies and their, and really listen to their heart and any type of thing that you're feeling in your gut or intuition, go with it. You're going to be told so many different things from healthcare providers or girlfriends or family, your mother-in-law, your mother, everything. But I think it's really important. Everyone's birth experience is so different. I think it's really important to just follow your heart and follow that gut. So my gut was mm-hmm. telling me that my son was going to come early. My due date was not until October 29th. I gave birth on October 11th. I knew he was going to come early. Like I said, I was very active throughout my pregnancy. Um, and a big part of my birth story, I think, to tell before I actually like went into labor, and my water broke, is I had a lot of signs leading up to my pregnancy that I was going to go into labor, like it was days <laughs> of little signs. So at night, I would not sleep as well. Um, my legs would start to shake. I had very strange, strange, but also beautiful experiences where um, I almost felt like my son was literally knocking down there, like, please let me out. Um, <laughs> him down. I felt like, yeah. Yes. He was very active. Sometimes I wouldn't sleep. Like I had um, almost like a cold feeling some nights before I, my water broke and I actually went into labor and it was, you know, very quiet in my family's house and everyone was sleeping and I would go and take baths at 3am with young living essential oil with lavender oil to calm my legs, to just calm this like almost nervous sensation that I was having throughout my body. So I think it's really important to listen to the signs. They really knew that he was coming <laughs> a few days before mm-hmm. it happened. And then the day that I went into labor, I actually went for a two-mile walk with my mom up by the elementary school where I attended and where I grew up and a few miles from my house, um, my parents' house. And my French bulldog got loose, and I ran after her. (laughs) At that point, I stopped running. Yeah, I stopped running. I was just doing power walking. And sure enough, that evening, I I went to sit down to have, like, a late dinner with my parents. And I went to sit down on the couch, and just my water broke everywhere. And that was around 9 p.m.
0: So big gush, Um, sounds like.
1: Yes, it was a big gush. I was with my mom and dad. I I just went to sit down and boom, like, everywhere, all over their sofa. And I was like, (laughs) Wow. (laughs) This is really (laughs) happening. Um, So uh, my husband was still working in New York. He was still there. Called him before I even called my doctor. I called him at nine p.m. and I said, "Look, my water broke." And he said, "Okay, you know, I'll pack up slowly. Uh, You know, I'm I'm not gonna hurry. I just, I don't think, you know, with first birth, especially after taking your course. Thank you, Lisa, so much. (laughs) You told us please, you know, take time with yourself, especially with the first, you know, birth. Don't rush." It's not like the movies where you, you, know, you run to the hospital. It's not like that at all. So I called him. Then I called my doctor, and he, they, my doctor was well-informed. Like I said, I knew the practice very well that I was not going to hurry in. Of course, they tell you to come in when you can or <laughs> as soon as you want to. But I said, I'm really going to labor at home as long as I can. My husband probably arrived from New York around 1.30 in the morning, and I labored all night long at my family's house through the night. What was interesting for me was that I never really had a real contraction in my, in my stomach. All my labor was back-related. I had back, intense back labor, not in the beginning, but throughout the night I had back labor. It's almost like an intense pain that would start in my lower back and then go down my leg. I kind of had a feeling I might have back labor because throughout my whole pregnancy, especially towards the end, I had a lot of back discomfort. I would say that was the only real challenge when I was pregnant throughout the pre- pregnancy was that I had intense back pain, even though I was very active and I did squats and I worked out, and that was just, you know, just carrying glow and just having that back pain. That was my that was my challenge. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the back labor went on throughout the night, stayed I'd say at my parents' house probably till around six a.m. And then my husband and I drove to the hospital. I probably would have stayed even longer, but my, like I said, my water had broke. So at that point, I couldn't really sit in water. I really loved, by the way, leading up to to going into labor before the water broke, I really loved baths. I really loved lavender baths. I loved sitting in the water and essential oils and all that. So we we arrived at the hospital. And what was nice about um, my hospital is we did have our own uh, private room. And I brought a lot of things from home with me. I think it's really important if you aren't going to labor at home, to bring whatever you can that makes you feel connected and centered and what makes you feel um, obviously most confident and relaxed. So I brought my diffuser. Um, as you know, Lisa, I use a lot of Young Living essential oils. So mm-hmm. I brought my diffuser and I diffused my entire time throughout labor. And nice. I used yeah, lavender oil, clary sage, Sometimes if I need to pick me up to get through the labor, I would' have my husband put in a, a citrus fresh, like a mm. citrus, like a lemon or a grapefruit because that's really good with lifting the mood. And because we took your course, my husband was great with massaging my back, with massaging my legs, with yay. really. Yeah, really, uh, yeah, yes, it was really, really helping me. We brought we had a yoga ball, which really helped. And I had, uh, my sister's given, had uh, four births vaginally, including twins. So she was like, and she's certified in everything. So she was my doula. (laughs) And then my husband was, yes, my husband was my big support system. And then my mother as well was uh, in the room and just amazing, calm, uh, center person. And she was just wonderful as well. So So they allowed several.
0: Yeah, I was just going to say, it sounds like they let a bunch of people in. (laughs)
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, usually they allow two people um, as your labor support team, and I was going to be my sister and, and uh, my husband, but they let my mom come in, which was amazing. So basically I had three labor support, which was incredible because everyone could take breaks or could run down and get something to eat, or, Mm -hmm. uh, so it was great, and even, like I said, they even let my dad come in, at some point, I finally kicked him out, but (laughs) they (laughs) they let him come in, too, so for me, uh, my labor was very positive, it was very, in my opinion, long, I didn't, I didn't give birth to the following day at 6 p.m., so I went into labor the following night at 9 p.m., and then the following day, I gave birth at 6 p.m., but I think it was, it was a long wait for me, because I had the back labor, we used a lot of alternative uh, you know, things like the yoga ball and a lot of uh, a lot of deep massage and uh, on my ankles, not just my back and down my legs. My ankles was big. We rubbed a lot of uh, Young Living Essential Oils into my legs in between the back contractions. But, yeah, I had a really positive support team. My nurses knew that I wanted to have a natural labor. Anytime I thought about using uh, something uh, like a, like a, an epidural, or using, they would remind me that I wanted I was really trying to have a natural labor. My husband was great with that. We played classical music um, the entire time. Uh, we also uh, listened to a lot of chanting in Greek. My husband's Greek, and in our church, they do a lot of chanting. And I had listened to that throughout my pregnancy as well. So I feel like my son Antonio was very used to hearing these sounds, and I think that it really soothed him.
0: Ooh, it I, would, at 20 weeks. I would love to yeah. have like the names of some of the chanting music, if it's on, like, on Spotify or something, and maybe I can link to it in the show oh, yeah. notes.
1: Oh, yes, it's in Spotify, so I'll send it to you. So we had a mix of, like, piano, which I love, piano, classical music. We had created a playlist, and mm-hmm. then we had the chanting. And I think that's really important as you prepare, you know, for those moms listening out there, as you prepare your birth plan, definitely if if you if music is important to you, if a certain type of breath work or chanting or if it's something that you hear at church or something that the baby is used to hearing, it's really important to, to include that. And mm-hmm. uh, I think that it really helped me get through because, for me, like I said, I felt like it was forever. It was almost 24 hours of labor from the time my water broke. And I felt like, I just felt that's the waiting, the waiting, (laughs) staying focused during the waiting um, Mm. and in between those those back contractions. The big challenge for me was he was posterior, I think, instead of anterior. Yes, that my first baby was too. Mm -hmm. Okay.
0: That back labor is intense.
2: (laughs) Yeah.
1: Right. So what they had me do is lay with a yoga ball, very interesting, between my legs. So it was quite, quite large, the yoga ball. And they had me turn my body to the left side mm-hmm. and lay there for an hour to an hour and a half and do that and then turn my body to the right side.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And eventually he finally turned. So, um, you know, if you are in labor and anyone tries to scare you or say, oh, they're not, their head is not right or their head down, but they're not in the right position, they will. I, I think, I think if you just give the baby a chance and take your time, they will turn because my son finally did turn. <laughs> <Yes>.
0: mm-hmm. Sometimes <laughs> with pr- some like proactive power. body, you know, body positioning like you were doing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Right. Right. So, so yeah, so we, so we did that. And, and yeah, like I said, I think the uh, essential oils really helped me with staying a focus, you know, was giving me some clarity when I felt like a little bit like the waiting and, you know, would get down a little bit. The fact that they let me walk all around you know, they let me, I, I wasn't really hungry, I ate, you know, very well the night before and I ate before we went to the hospital, but they let me bring whatever I wanted in and they let, you know, and I'm very healthy things and they let me drink and, and eat whatever I wanted. I know not not all hospitals are like that and I know, right. you know, everyone's experience is different, so, yeah. um, but I was fortunate that, you know, I had told them that, that you know, that was important to me. So, yeah, so it was a, it was a very, uh, very, very calm and, and just a beautiful experience. And then finally, I would say towards the end, getting towards the end, I'd say like when there was about an hour left, the nurse and my sister were looked and they said, oh, we can see, you know, the, their baby's head. We can see he has brown hair at this time. And, um, you know, and I didn't really push. I only, I would say I pushed five times in three sets. They told me I was the power breather and power pusher. That's what they were called. Nice. (laughs) Um,
0: Who doesn't want to hear that? That's great.
1: (laughs) Yes, it was amazing. I think it was because, like I said, I work out a Mm -hmm. lot. And Mm -hmm. I also am very big into breath work. I I practice meditation, yoga, Mm -hmm. all types of different breath work. I really think, not just the working out, I think the breath work, the different breath work and breathing sounds that I do really, really helped me. And of course, mm-hmm. taking your course helped too. <laughs> so I think that that, I, I think it really got me through. So when I tell people it was the waiting period of having him turn and just getting through those backs, that back labor. But then when it came time, when I was like, you know, 10 centimeters dilated and then they could tell me they could, my sister was like, I see him. He has brown hair. And I started to cry. Mm-hmm. I, it was just those pushes went so quickly. I mean, it's amazing. I mean, they, you know, it was in the sets of three, but like that breathing and those, those times that I pushed him, it, it, it just, it, it was amazing. It was like, mm. wow. I, it just happened so quickly after you mm. wait, 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 wait. And then, yeah. So. Yeah.
0: Can we back yeah, up a little bit? Really, just. Yeah, go ahead. Do you remember leading up to pushing like the last little bit of dilation in the first stage, the transition? Do you remember any challenges or intensity that was like just you know, more than you had experienced leading up to that point, anything? Right. To note? Um,
1: yeah, it, it, it was almost like, he, with that leading up to that push, it was almost like I had almost like a burning sensation. I, I don't even want to say it that way, because it sounds negative. But it was like a very intense, uh, I don't want to say it's like a truck going through your body. It's like an intense feeling that's so much pressure that I, I don't even have a word for it, which is amazing for me, because I mm-hmm. talk so much. Yeah, it was a very intense, intense pressure.
0: And then there was there not much time in pushing before baby was – it sounds like baby was almost immediately crowning as soon as you started the pushing stage. No? Or, yes, 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 yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. That's so unusual I, so we, in a first it birth. Happened, <laughs>
1: it's, it's very unusual. And that's, like, that's what I said. I said I, I felt like the wait – there was like this period of waiting, waiting, like, it's, like I said, almost 24 hours of labor. Right. And I just kept, I, you know, getting through. And as soon as he turned and as soon as he – it's weird. He turned and then it's just, it's amazing how the body just works. I was ready.
2: It mm-hmm. was just,
1: it was all of a sudden I went from like, I don't know, like not three centimeters and all of a sudden I was 10. It was very wow. interesting. Yeah. So, and it just happened so quickly and yeah. And I'd say that it was just an intense pressure. It's always, you know, everyone like at said, everyone's very different for me. It was more, I would say my labor, the, the, it wasn't a pain. It wasn't like in a pain to where it was excruciating. It was more like an annoyance. <laughs> when, when the back labor would come. It was almost like a, 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 an annoying type of... of but, in, but in between, everything was okay. When I didn't have the contractions, I felt fine. It was almost just like leading up to it and breathing through it. It was more of like an, a nagging type of sensation, only, mm-hmm. only when I would have the contraction down the back. But after mm-hmm. that, in between, I actually felt really good.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, and I think that um, because I felt... I think, I, like I said, the working out the breath work being active i think it really prepared me
0: absolutely um, for
1: that um, yeah yeah i have yeah. no doubt
0: <laughs> or were there other physical sensations you felt in the first stage of labor that uh, besides the back labor how did you perceive the contractions or was it really just mostly the back labor
1: it was all back. it was all back labor. So I never mm-hmm. had a contraction in my stomach. I kept wanting to feel like, you know, they tell you sometimes it's going to be like a really bad period pain times like well I never really had um, a, a hard periods or bad periods. Mm-hmm. So like I didn't really even know what to equate it to. So, um, but all I felt was, yeah, an intense low pain and then it would go um, depending on how intense the contractions were. it would just go down my back. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course they had me at some point, you know, hooked up to the monitor so I could see it coming too. So I could prepare myself as well with my breath work. And I did, I did notice too, at some point I almost went into, um, I not want to say I wasn't there because I was there. I was very present, but I almost went into a state of, and I don't know if that's because I pray a lot and I meditate of where I was there, but I was also not there, uh, mm-hmm. not to scare anyone. I needed to go into a place like that to be able to get through the labor so at one point i even told my husband yeah at one point i even told my husband my sister my mom my dad everyone because you know the room got very loud and it was like a celebration before he even came (laughs) i said um everyone please leave because i need i can't Mm. talk the 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 contractions became so close and the labor was it's so intense on my back at some points i just couldn't talk i wanted to talk but I couldn't mm-hmm. talk. I mm-hmm. just couldn't communicate. I need, I needed to go into the zone of where I just need to focus on my breath and just getting through that contraction. So, as much as it was like a celebration, a lot of it it was very peaceful. There were times where I had to just. I did have everyone for like about an hour and a half to two hours leave the room, mm-hmm. and I just listened to the music. I diffused, and I just got through it because you know, if your labor is not going to come on really quickly and, it's, you know, you give birth in four hours, I hear all those stories and it's amazing and quick. Mine was not like that. I really, it was, you know, like I said, 21 hours. I had to really have moments of where one hour would go by or two hours would go by and I just needed some, you know, just some quiet time. Um, but like I, my husband said, he even saw, he's like, wow, you changed. Um, I, I just got really quiet and I went within and I just asked everyone, you know, look, I just need some quiet time because I'm here, but I also am not here. It's weird. Yes. Like I needed we, to just breathe. Yeah.
0: We call that labor land. Very
1: <laughs> there we go. Yep. Also, I didn't know the word. Yeah. Labor land. So that's, what that's what I went into. Yeah. And, and when you asked so, everybody to
0: leave the room, did you keep your husband with you or did everyone, everyone leave the room or?
1: Actually I had everyone leave the room at one point. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah good
1: for you. You need I to needed, do whatever works for you. Yes. I needed to leave the room. And that's why I always say like, it's very important to have a birth plan. We had one written out, you know, with everything included, all the oils we're going to use, we gave it to our doctor, how we wanted things to go, how we wanted a natural labor, and how we were open to things if, you know, there were, you know, if it had to be if there was emergencies and like that, but you know, we did have all that and I think it's really important to have the plan, but I also think it's important to always remain open because yes. you, you might, you may want your support system there the whole time, but you also, when you are having a long labor like I did, you may also need your quiet time. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when there are more than one people in person in room room and it is your family because it was all my family I didn't have you know a person who was that family actually you know it can get very loud <laughs> or mm-hmm. so I at one point just said very calmly to everyone listen I just I need this quiet time and I said, husband go get something to eat and you know I said you know whatever and then then he did come back after like an hour and a half and he actually fell asleep on the sofa because I was in this position with my legs and I couldn't move. They said, really, we need him to turn, you know, we, we don't want him to be posterior. So I, I, at one point I just turned to the side and I just, you know, for like an hour, because it was a long time, you know, and I just, I was completely okay with it. So I think everyone's different. That was my, that's, I needed that. I needed actually no one to talk to me.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense.
1: I think it's good to share that because, you know, some people really need, you know, their handheld or, really want the massage, you know, and you need to take breaks cuz obviously you can't come with your dad husband massage you for 21 hours. So my sister, and my mom, everyone took their turns, but at that point, I didn't want to be touched anymore. I mm-hmm. needed to just go into my zone.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's so. often the case. <laughs> I say it's often the case, but it's every, unpredictable like you were saying. Like set your plan but then really yeah. remain open because sometimes we think we're going to want a ton of massage and then we're like, "Don't touch me." <laughs> or like yeah. you're saying, yeah. with in your case, it was a little bit of both or a lot of both. <laughs> across yes. the whole yes. span of labor.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Yes, I went through, so, you go through so many emotions, but it's so beautiful to be able to go through all of those experiences,
2: you mm. know, and
1: just, in like, and just zone, go into your own, if you can, you know, my breathing and my breath work and my meditation, all that, it really helped me. It really helped me. And times when I just, the touch wasn't helping, the massage wasn't helping, or, you know, the positive words from others, I, I didn't need to hear it anymore at that point. It was almost like I was just, I needed to just be with myself and, and with my baby. That was mm-hmm. almost going to come through me.
0: So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. I have two questions. One yes. is your water having broken at the beginning of labor, was there mm-hmm. ever any talk of induction medications at any point? Never. Never. Oh, I love yeah. that. Because here yeah. in New York City hospitals, they would have, mm-hmm. depending on the care provider, they would have wanted to induce way before you gave birth. You know, if I know, although, oh, yeah. well, let me back so, up there and say, when did your contractions yeah. start?
1: My what's interesting is my contractions started only about an hour and a half to two hours after my water broke.
0: Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I missed that piece of it. So then they wouldn't have needed to induce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yay, good.
1: Yeah, no. But I have heard these stories because you know because we are New Yorkers, and the majority of all my friends have given birth in New York hospitals, and a lot of them some of their doctors don't even let them go 21 hours of labor. They just want to go give them a cesarean. And some of them, unfortunately, Mm -hmm. have been pushed into that. And Mm -hmm. and they have a lot of – I feel so bad because I work with a lot of moms, and they have, you know, this mom guilt that they let doctors, you know, that they didn't have a good relationship with or didn't know, Mm -hmm. let them talk it in, you know, because they want to move things along. So I do feel very blessed that I was in a loving environment, the hospital. No one was pushing me. The baby was never – he was never in distress. He just took his time. He just needed to turn, and he just – took his time till he till i was really really dilated and ready to push and, and mm-hmm. there was no talk of you know there was no talk of pushing any type of medication to speed things along and there was no talk of uh, c-section or anything
2: like that mm-hmm.
1: so um i'm very mm-hmm. blessed that he was healthy and that he wanted you know that he was just taking his time and everyone else let me take my time too
0: yes yeah that's golden Patience. Yeah. A little patience goes a l- yes. such a long way with a first labor from everyone around yes. you, including yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wanted to ask you, yeah. what was your rationale in desiring an unmedicated birth?
1: So, first things first, I am not a person who does well with medication. Even if you give me like the slightest I don't know, thing like an antibiotic or an Advil. I don't, I have like a, I have a reverse, of, I have, I just don't do well with medication. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm very into trying things naturally and alternatively before even taking like a simple pain medication if, you know, I don't feel well. Like if I have a headache, I'd rather go do yoga or, try some breath work before I would try to take an Advil so Mm -hmm. I'm just not I don't want to say we obviously we need modern medicine for certain things and we do need medication of course to help us and there's nothing wrong with that but I personally just don't do well with it I always have some kind of side effect or reaction and Mm -hmm. then I also wanted to feel I wanted to feel everything I didn't want to be Mm -hmm. numb I really wanted to feel and if it was pain or if it was I, I just wanted to feel So I think that that's, that's me. I felt like if I had given, if I had taken any type of medication, I would be numb and I wouldn't really feel the whole experience. And another thing that was really important to us that we put in our birth plan, and I think it's really important that you discuss this with your provider, especially if you aren't giving birth at home or you don't have a doula to help for you, um, you know, vouch for you definitely try to not have them cut the cord right away. Like we, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of hospitals, they want to rush you. We were very, very strict with telling our doctor, we want to keep it like we want it pulsating on us and we want it to like stop. We want him lying on me as long as possible with the cord. So when Antonio, my son Antonio, when he came through me, I, they laid him on my chest and they let us, they did not cut for, I would say, uh, 45 minutes. Like, it was a long time. Most hospitals do not do that.
0: Oh, no. In New no. York, usually three minutes is the maximum that they'll allow in a yes. hospital environment. Yeah.
1: That's yes. great. So, I have if, that. Right. So if you – yes. Yeah. So if you can – if you aren't giving birth in New York or if you are, either way, if you – can if you're going to birthing center they, they would probably be much more you know open to yes. even like getting 15 to 20 minutes would be you know it's it's so much better than you know three but mm-hmm. we were very blessed that i said no no one rush me you know this is our time and i really don't want to i don't want to cut the cord i want well my husband did eventually like 40 minutes later for but yeah he laid on me with just with the cord attached mm. yeah Yay. for a long time it's fantastic <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yes. Can I ask and a we, question we just, about in your class? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Go ahead. Backing up to pushing, I just wanted to ask one quick question on that. I know it was it sounds like it was very brief and efficient, but did you feel the uncontrollable physiological urge to push? I did.
1: It's, it's interesting. I did. towards the very end, but in the beginning, when they were like, okay, Lauren, um, you know, you're really dilated now. We're going to, you know, you really should try. I didn't, it was weird. I I think I went into such a zone because I waited for so long that I didn't have the urge right away. But at the very, very end, like that last one, yes, I, I like, I needed to get him out like, you know, (sighs) in the head when he was like crowning yes. but Mm -hmm. right before that, no, it was very strange. I don't know if I just went into like a meditative state, I don't know what it was. I didn't have, you know, cause I worked with myself so much on, on, you know, on the breath work and kind of trying to zone in and zone out leading up to the birth that, and before I went into labor, that I think I didn't have that undesirable. I kept kind of waiting for it and I, I didn't have it. It was only at the very end that it was like, wow, it was like an intense pressure and I had to get him out. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And it could have just been yeah. a change of Antonio's position mm-hmm. on your rectum. Maybe it just wasn't triggering it until the very end of it. So, so much of that is positional. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Another thing
1: I did leading up to my birth, which I think is really important, and I, I know you touched upon a little bit about the perineum in your classes, I massaged my perineum. So I did that, like, weeks leading up to my birth, and I think it's so important. I actually use a Young Living, it's called Clariderm, which is for specifically for the perineum that you spray it, and it I think it really helped me with, like, not having a huge tear at birth and, like, having just like dealing with the intense pressure down there. Mm -hmm. So I think that's very important as well um, to bring up to women, like don't be afraid to do that um, Mm -hmm. because I think it really makes it stronger and makes it so much easier when you're giving birth,
0: especially naturally. Yeah. Yeah. And especially also gets you accustomed to what does that intense burning, stretching sensation feel like so that you're much less likely to tense up. If it's the first time you're feeling it, you're more likely to tense up. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you've prepped yourself and been like, oh, this is what this is going to feel like, or this is along the lines of what it's going to feel like. There's huge benefit in that, I think, for sure. Thanks for bringing that up. That's great. Do you want to talk at all about initial breastfeeding or the bonding time after the birth? Yeah. So
1: my son did have trouble latching. I, breastfeeding did not come easily for me. I would say breastfeeding was my biggest challenge. Um, my labor was so beautiful and seamless, and I had worked so hard to be prepared for it mentally, physically, emotionally. My sister is a lactation consultant. She really worked with me. But I did go through three lactation consultants uh, after giving birth and once getting back home to New York because I really, I really struggled with it. And I think it's really important that we talk about breastfeeding and talking about how it is not easy for everyone it does not come easily yes um i never i never once Supplemented. If you have to, it's okay if that's what you need to do. I was mm-hmm. very, very tough on myself. I did not want to supplement. I did not want to give him anything else but my breast milk, but it didn't come, my breast milk did not come in right away, which not everyone does, especially with the first birth. And he also did not latch very well. And thankfully, I had my sister because sometimes the hospital nurses don't, don't really take time with you. Um, so I would say, like, before you even give birth, hire a lactation consultant or have someone that you've interviewed or have someone ready because. You may need it. I really did mm-hmm. need it. And then, you know, I was only in Maryland for three weeks after giving birth. And then I went mm-hmm. back to New York. And, you know, when, they, when the baby really starts to wake up and, you know, you mm-hmm. really do need that support system after giving birth. And I actually had used a, um, what is it, like a prophylactic, like a, what, what, it's like a nickel shield mm-hmm. because he was having trouble latching. But wh- the reason why I was using it, which I, which is very interesting, I discovered is I would my nipples would burn so badly when I would breastfeed, and after I would finish breastfeeding, they would turn white. So no one diagnosed me until the third basically. lactation consultant properly that I had Raynaud's syndrome, yes. which is basically uh-huh. yeah. So which is basically um, it kind of affects your extremities, like your hands and your feet and your mm-hmm. nose, and when you get into the cold or like you know, no one's ever come on, no one's ever nursed off of you and sucked your nipple, like constantly. <laughs> right. I mean, my son was on my boobs like every hour. <laughs> so um, yeah. so I'm, my nipples would just, I mean, it was like as if I, was, I would say the word frostbite, frostbite, you know, mm-hmm. um, and would was pure white. So when I had a lactation consultant come to my house because I was struggling so hard with it, she looked at me and she says, oh, my gosh, no one's ever diagnosed you with brain before. You don't even know you had it. And I'm like, no. I mean, what is that? I mean, I, I'm such a healthy person. What are you talking about? And she said, wow, I, I'm so impressed by you because she says that most women find out that they have this and they just quit. And I was telling her that my goal was to get at least six months of breastfeeding. And she looked at me and she gave me the best advice. And she said, your goal is to get through the next feeding. That is what your goal mm-hmm. is. And we're going to do it together. And you, when I leave here, you're going to do it. She says, well, you need to take things one day at a time. And I think so much about life, we should equate that to, too. And same thing with labor. It's one moment at a time. It's one contraction at a time, one hour at a time. That, you know, we look so much to the end goal, the end goal. I kept saying, no, 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 I want to breastfeed for six months. No, 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 I want to breastfeed for a year. She looked at me and she said, with you having this, I want you to always look at it as an accomplishment when you get through your next feeding.
0: Uh, what great so advice. I love that. Do you remember her um, name? It's okay her, if you don't. I don't know
1: her. No, her, no, 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 no. Her first name is Sarah. I don't know her last name, but I can get it to you. She is New York based, and she does do house calls, and she is phenomenal.
0: Wonderful. So yeah, I, I would love. You,
1: um, if you want to include her info, I can get it for you after the show, like in show notes, or to give to anyone yes. who is struggling. I would love highly, that. Highly, highly recommend her. Thank you. I always love um, to lift up.
0: Uh huh. I love to lift up other mm-hmm. professionals who who my students have loved. And help other, you know, yes. expectant parents yes, find good help, good support. Yes, yes, mm-hmm.
1: yes. So, um, and I did go on to reach my goal. Um, I never supplemented with anything. I never, I breastfed him over six months.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: I, I do have to be quite honest, it was not comfortable for me a lot because of the rain nodes, because mm-hmm. the burning sensation But it was just really important for me to nurture my child this way. And everyone's Mm -hmm. different. Like I said, like, we beat ourselves up as women. Like, if you have to supplement, you have to supplement. Like, but Mm -hmm. I just didn't, I didn't want to. (laughs) So, -hmm. and I just, I toughed it out. I would say the first three to four months were really, really, I would say they're probably one of the most challenging times of my life.
2: Mm -hmm. And I've been
1: through a lot in my life.
2: Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I
1: would say that was, that breastfeeding was the biggest, biggest, biggest challenge for me. But I'm very proud of myself that I got through it
2: yeah. uh, another
1: thing that was really really big challenge for me is I had to change my whole diet even though I eat very healthy a lot of my foods are very gassy um, mm-hmm. maybe a lot of salads and greens and I mm-hmm. had to change my whole diet for breastfeeding for my son Antonio um,
0: wow, that could be really because, challenging in um, and of itself
1: yes so not only did I I was the most exhausted I ever been in my life I had to cut out caffeine completely you know, occasionally I'd like to have one coffee a day or like a green tea I had to cut it out um, mm-hmm. when I was breastfeeding him. I also had to cut out everything acidic in my diet. And a lot of things that I eat, like certain vegetables, like tomatoes and things that I love are really, really acidic. Mm-hmm. So I had to completely take that out because it just didn't agree with him mm-hmm. at all. He had, um, he, he had silent reflux in the beginning, and he would just, it was awful. He would just scream and cry very much in the beginning. And, and when I changed my diet, it helped immensely. Even taking out, I even had to take out dark chocolate. Like things that you just, like oh. a little bite that you want, you know, when yes. you're tired or you're breastfeeding. <laughs> I had to do that. And I, I now looking back, I'm, I'm like, wow, I got through that. But when you're going through it, you're like, how did I give that up for six months? Or how did I get through that? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's mm-hmm. now I look back and it's like, wow. But when you are going through the process, it's, I know it's, it's not easy. It's not easy. Mm-hmm. You have to, you have to, yeah, you have to really do a lot of breath work, a lot of whatever, whatever brings you peace, a lot of meditation, a lot of praying. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to do a lot of that.
0: Yeah. And with Ray nodes, it kind of sounds like there was no magic trick to kind of get the pain to go away or discomfort. What were there any tips that you, the lactation consultant was able to give you that, you know, lessened the discomfort or not really?
2: To
1: be honest, using a nipple shield helped me a lot with the burning, but Mm -hmm. then what happens when you are, when you have a lot of milk going through you and you are, and your baby is, you know, not like a newborn and let's say they're five months or six months and you're using a nipple shield, that can also lead to a lot of other problems. So it it led to me having like clogged up. It was not good to use, you know, for my, I would say for my breast itself,
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but
1: it did help with the burning a -hmm. lot. So the burning sensation would go away, obviously, when I blocked it. And I used the nipple shield. And luckily, Antonio took both. He didn't mind either. So thankfully, mm-hmm. he would. Because some babies don't, you know, only want the nipple. Or some babies, they won't, you know, breastfeed at all if there's something blocking them from the, the real, you know, you know, shielding them from the nipple. He took both, thankfully. Mm, um, the shield and not the shield. But that helped me with the burning. Some days I just couldn't, I couldn't have him latch directly on because it was just too painful.
0: Mm -hmm. so yeah yeah well good for you for persevering (laughs) so much
2: (laughs) that's amazing well
0: well, should we shift gears into I would love to hear about the work you do for you to share that with our listeners
1: sure okay I'd love to so I am a certified health coach and a holistic practitioner and I took a little bit of break from it when I was modeling full-time but when I got pregnant with my son I decided you know we're eating for, for two, and there's so much, there's so much that changes in our bodies, and it's so much more than that. Emotionally, you know, we need to take care of ourselves. So I, I launched the Model Mentor Program, and um, it's not just for models. It's for all women. It's, I work a lot with model moms, but it's for all moms. And it's really, I would say, it's so much more than just eating healthy. It's really, it's a lifestyle. So I have these pointers that I use. For the Model Mentor. Um, One of them is transformative thinking. Our thoughts are who we are, really. So what we tell ourselves every day is what we, you know, put out into the world. So I really like to work with my clients on working with transforming thoughts. If we start to think something negative or it's even getting like the same thing, it's so great with getting through labor. I mean, the moment we start thinking positive, the shift, it's just a shift that can change Mm -hmm. like that. So it's it's a total mind, body, spiritual, everything we're embracing everything when you work with me you're you it's we we really go to the inside so one of them is the transformative thinking the next part is mindfulness which has to do with eating mindful eating because when we are pregnant we want to make sure that we're nourishing our bodies in the right way and also after pregnancy like i said i mean i had to change my whole diet for breastfeeding so i really enjoy working with other moms that have to do that too and being such a support system for them because that is it is really hard and um the fact that i went through it myself i just love being there to be able to coach you know coach them on and be there for them Mm -hmm. and then also it's movement movement is the third part to it so any type of movement is good for the mind the body the brain um you know even getting outside and just getting 10 minutes of fresh air even if it's cold it's very very important to just to move to Mm -hmm. move your body you know through movement we find health so that's that's the foundation to the practice but obviously it's so much deeper than that i do i do focus on plant-based eating, but I don't push it. I work with clients that do eat meat. I work with clients that aren't just that vegan or plant-based or vegetarian, or they eat just fish or they eat, they, or they eat chicken or they, so I work mm-hmm. with all, all ranges. What I kind of want to do is I really like women to just try new things and be open, be open to a better lifestyle, a healthier you, um, so that you can be the best version of yourself so that you can, not just for yourself, but for your, for your child and for your children. So, um, so yeah, all of my work is done on the phone through FaceTime online. Occasionally I do master classes in person, but most of it is all FaceTime and one hour consults. And it's really great for other moms who are busy or their child is put down for a nap. We work for an hour, Mm -hmm. um, either FaceTime or by phone. And it really works with my business too, so that I can be there for my son. And, and so it's great. It's, it's flourishing. I started it, like I said, a, a little over three years ago and I love it. I've worked with women, in all seasons of their life, but I really enjoy working with the moms or the moms-to-be because Mm -hmm. I think that this is, that's the most challenging part of our life. And then also the self-care for after we give birth, that's so important. Oh, so Um, important. You know, even I was so important and we don't talk about it enough. Like the breastfeeding, we really need to talk about it more. That It can be a challenge for some women as it was for me. And we need to put out there that Mm -hmm. I was diagnosed with this in the middle of breastfeeding. I didn't even know I had this but that you can get through it if you want to. And, and, you know, it is, like I said, it's the power of the mind and also taking care of yourself. So um, yeah. So I I love the program. It it really, I used to meet with people one-on-one and I find that meeting with them through FaceTime and on the phone is just as productive, if not more. And um, even when you're finished working with me, I work with most people three to six months. You have a lifelong friend and they're always to email or text. It's been great. I've, I've met so many amazing women through it. It's just been incredible. And it's just its just only the beginning. I mean, there's so much more that can that can come of it. So I'm very excited. It's
0: so, such a great resource. I am so, so thankful that you are one of my alumni or alums because well, um, I think you can be you. such a help to so many women in pregnancy and afterwards. And I just think the work you're doing is really, really important and wonderful. So thank you for the work you're thank doing. Thank you so much. Thank <laughs> you. So if yeah, people thank wanted so to much. reach... Yeah, go ahead. Sorry.
1: Yeah, yeah. If they wanted to reach me, um, I'm I'm I work mainly through Instagram. I mean, I am on Facebook. I don't work with it as much, but um, um, my it's just my name. My handle is my name uh, at Lauren Deckert L A U R E N D E C K E R T, and then I also have my website themodelmentor.com. And it has all the information about my health coaching program, working with me one-on-one. It has all the different options. I work with even moms on breast work sometimes on the phone for an hour or a half hour, just breathing techniques to um, help reduce stress.
2: It's not mm. just eating.
1: I mean, it's a total, like I said, it's, but once you're finished working with me, I tell you, you, you will walk away different when I, I, and what I learned through, I studied through the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. And after I attended that school, And they make you get your own health coach, by the way, when you're going through it so that you, you know, you can really learn about yourself and and what you need to work on. And I still to this day have mentors and health coaches and accountability partners. And I think it's so important that, you know, as a healthcare practitioner or health coach, we have them for ourselves too, because Mm -hmm. we need to constantly learn and grow and work on what we, we need to, you know, what we need to work on to Mm -hmm. better ourselves.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, do you have any last insights or wisdom or tips for expectant or new parents? One of my favorite ones was bringing it back to the beginning. Something you said toward the beginning was listening to your instincts, listening to your intuition, I think is a huge one in this whole journey into parenthood. So that can be the one, or if you have any other other ones you want to add, we can do that. Yeah.
1: yeah, I was just going to add to that by saying the way is within. So I would say you're going to hear a lot of outside noise throughout your pregnancy. Oh, and you're going to hear a lot of chatter when you become a mom, too, on what's mm-hmm. the best things to eat, to do, to where your child, should do this. And I would say it's great. It's so great that we have other people in our life to give us that and all these resources out there. But the way is within. Listen to your, your heart. Listen to your soul. That, that gut feeling that you have as a mom, that intuition, always listen to yourself and, and go with that. You know, I think mm-hmm. it's, that's the most important piece of advice that, and I'm still, I still every day I'm working on that, you know, just cut out the noise and, and uh, listen to yourself. I
0: think mm-hmm. That's
1: really important.
0: Good stuff. Yeah. Thank you so much, Lauren. It yeah. has been such a joy to You're connect welcome. with you and hear all these great birth story yeah. details. Take care.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm.
0: Thanks Bye. for having me. You're okay. welcome. Bye. Bye. So that's Lauren's story. I'll briefly comment on five topics that came up today. Posterior position, eating and drinking in labor, delayed cord clamping, perennial massage, and renodes phenomenon. For anyone who isn't familiar with posterior position, it has come up in more than one past episode, including in my own first baby's birth story in episode two, but it's when the baby's back is against the pregnant person's back. It's a harder position for babies to fit through the pelvis. Some babies can be born in that position, which we call sunny side up, but some babies won't and may have to be born via C-section unless baby can rotate into a better position. This position tends to lead to longer, harder labors with non-textbook contraction frequency. A couple other common symptoms of a posterior baby are feeling pokey feet in the front of the belly and getting the urge to push prematurely because of the angle the baby's head is pushing on the rectum. By premature urge, I mean well before the cervix is completely dilated and effaced. Visit spinningbabies.com to learn more about the proactive things you can do in pregnancy or labor to help your baby get into the most optimal position for a smoother, easier, healthier labor. On the topic of eating and drinking in labor, I discussed this in detail back in Episode 9's commentary, but most New York hospitals are behind the evidence and do not allow women to eat much, if anything, in labor once admitted. You need to be allowed, meaning it is absolutely evidence-based, to eat and drink in labor for a healthy birth. Lauren mentioned delaying the cord clamping after the baby was born. The range of standard timing across our various New York birthing locations goes from clamping immediately or up to three minutes in a hospital setting to waiting much longer in birthing centers and home births. That is waiting until the cord is no longer pulsating and starts to shrink because there's no blood flowing through it anymore. In the past couple of decades, we've started to realize there are benefits to the baby's health to not immediately clamp and cut the cord after birth, as has been standard for many years in our U.S. hospitals. For a few minutes after birth, usually anywhere from 5 to 15 or so minutes, the placenta continues to be attached to the uterine wall of the mother. As long as it's still attached, it continues to serve as life support for the baby, transfusing oxygen-rich blood into the baby. If left alone until the cord stops pulsating, the baby could receive up to one-third extra blood volume, which could help their lifelong health. One specific benefit of delaying the cord clamping is that baby gets extra iron stores, which could prevent the very common iron deficiency we routinely see in babies around six months, thereby possibly eliminating the need for your pediatrician to send you to the pharmacy to get an iron supplement. I do need to point out that delayed cord clamping would only be okay in an uncomplicated birth as sometimes if there are complications, they'll need to immediately clamp and cut the cord to take the baby across the room. The reasons they have historically done it immediately after birth and why there's only so much negotiating room in our clinical settings currently are twofold. The slightly increased risk of jaundice for babies, the more blood they get. And the idea that the sooner they can cut the cord and get the placenta out of the mom, the less likelihood it is she'll bleed too much. Because we've seen the benefits almost always far outweigh the risks, that's why there's at least some negotiating room in our hospitals. However, I should point out that with most care providers in New York City hospitals, at least at the time of recording this episode, it usually requires making a special request with your care provider to delay the cutting longer than a minute or so. I'll link to a couple of resources for further research on this topic in the show notes at birthmattershow.com. The Clariderm spray made by Young Living that Lauren mentioned is a spray that can be soothing to the skin as someone is doing perennial massage. I'll link to a tip sheet on doing perineal massage, which a lot of pelvic floor therapists and midwives recommend as a way to minimize tearing, which is also known as pelvic floor injury in the pushing stage. With perineal massage, you're basically getting yourself used to the burning and stretching sensation that can then help lessen the likelihood that you'll tense up in labor because it's not your first time to feel it. I'll also link to Lauren's Young Living page where you can purchase the spray or essential oils if you like. Another thing I'll include in the show notes is some information about the condition Lauren mentioned, Raynaud's phenomenon, and I'll link the contact information for the New York lactation consultant whom Lauren praised, Sarah Newman. If you know that you have Raynaud's, I recommend reading the information I've linked on the website kellymom.com so that you can make yourself aware of a few things if you're planning to breastfeed. Hop on over to find this episode on birthmattershow.com, and you'll also find two of Lauren's Spotify playlists she used in labor. Okay, here's a sneak peek of what's up next week.
2: Feeling the contractions from like 3.30 a.m. until about 8 a.m. when he woke up and I told him was really a, a cool time because... You're the only, you're just laying in bed alone, it's dark and you just have this thought of like, okay, maybe this is what it's going to be and today is going to be the day. And I really liked, I just started like visualizing and having sort of meditations, dealing with each contraction as they came, thinking about like ocean waves or like trying to really um, attach it to like a visual. and. Yeah, that however many hours um, was really a cool time for me to have by myself to sort of process what was happening before I shared it with anyone. And it was, it became a thing even with my own husband, but it was, I just thought it was really cool to have that time where it was just me who knew and kind of process what was about to happen.
0: Here's the thought I'll leave you with today. You should feel like the beautiful, healthy woman you are in labor as this will affect how you cope. In what ways can you help yourself feel like this and be perceived like this in labor toward a great birth? Thanks so much for listening to the Birth Matters Podcast and be well.